Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Power Women in Insurance podcast. We're really excited today. We are in California with Aurora Mullet, and she is actually um, out of California, and we are pumped and excited to be able to talk to her because she spoke on the innovation stage last year for IAOA, really talked about niching down and how she has found amazing success for her insurance agency with her own voice. And that's what I'm really excited to talk to Aurora about today. Today, but hi Aurora, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So tell us a little bit about you, how you got into insurance, and tell us a little bit about you and your 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 insurance superpowers. Okay. Um. Well, I fell into insurance probably like most people. Um. I was doing medical, like pharmacy claims processing, and went to lunch one day, and there was a gentleman that struck up a conversation. And he was hiring for a business called um, Innsweb Insurance. So they were one of the very first insurance tech companies to come out. We um, did business in all 50 states. And I started initially by just helping people get into the website. And then from there, they moved me over into service. And then from service, they moved me into quality control and sales. Um, I was... Really, I, I was one of the highest cross sellers, but convinced myself I was not a salesperson in general. And then they made me do the whole sell me this pen garbage that you know, sales organizations do. And I did. And then he said, nope, your sales all the way. We're moving over there. You really don't have any choice if you want to continue here. Um, and in my first month, I made President's Club. Um, so that, that was an interesting process because before then it had only been men and they had a very, you know, they had their way of celebrating where it was cigars and whiskey and all this stuff. And then I won it and they said, well, we can't do any of that. So they stopped that process once a woman won. <laughs> I oh, was like, how funny. I love cigar and whiskeys. What are you talking about? But to them, I mean, it was just had been such a men's club that they didn't want a woman involved in it. Huh, that is very interesting. And was there any, um, did anybody notice that? I mean, because to me, that's very interesting that they would have something that is so prevalent in their culture, that is so male driven. And then as soon as a woman enters that space, just all of a sudden, kick the whole program to the curb. And I mean, did, did anybody, did anybody rebel against that? Or was there any conversation about that? I mean, I did. I mean, I've always been very direct in my communications. Right. Um, so I basically let them know it was crap. And then a few other women that were close to it, I think that just drove that even more so that they, you know, wanted to kind of hit that club and continue that process of like, hey, women can do this too. It didn't matter. Um, I mean, they, they wouldn't continue it on. They just said, oh, it's actually money based, right? It, it, it you know, but it was, it was directed towards me, um, you know, immediately that it was because I was a woman. But, you know, again, that was 22 years ago, right? right. So, right. I mean, it was a whole different world. Did they change what they were doing and adopt a different club? Um, they still had President's Club, but there was no celebration for it. It was just now an achievement. 
<laughs> they got rid of all celebrations for that achievement overall it was just congratulations here's a certificate or an award or something and, and then yeah just, just like hey you did it yeah wow wow yeah. that's 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 crazy but like you said it was 22 years ago and so hopefully people are not quite that way anymore but I find that interesting it is that such an overt thing that <laughs> you know what I mean I mean it's not yeah. like they were subtle <laughs> No, there was lots of overts. My my mail manager used to ask, tell me, hey, go get me a soda out of the fridge. And I'd be like, your legs are not broken. Right. <laughs> I'm not it. Um, but I, I mean, I did that for several years and then went to the agency side um, for a little bit and did sales and then ended up on the underwriting side at Allied um, and did a lot of underwriting. And I think I, I don't know if anybody, you know, that's listening has ever gone from the company side or the sales side to the company side and back to the sales side, but you learn everything at such a different level when you're on the company side and underwriting side and dealing with the claims and the contract. And I have looked back and went, man, I underinsured a lot of people. <laughs> I really wow. did some disservice to people once you actually learn it, right? It was like, um, it was like a Geico type of situation that I started in, right? It was just get the information, throw it through a radar, slam it out, sell whatever you can sell to somebody, don't talk coverages, just punch it into a hole. And if they say they need to beat $500, that's what your goal is, is to beat $500. So very interesting switch once I got over there and learned all of that stuff. Well, and I also know too that underwriting and sales are two different personalities. They're very like most like in today's day and age though, we're so, you know, everybody wants to talk about personality tests, right? And you want to put the right butts in the right seats. And the the dynamics that you're looking for in a sales team member are completely different from an adjuster or an underwriter or even service to a large degree. Did you enjoy the underwriting piece of it? Did it, I mean, I know you learned a lot, but the detail orientedness that would have to go into that process, how did you make that adjustment? Um, you know, I think that I was very, I, I was very appreciated by this, the people that I was managing the agencies for because I did still think as a salesperson, so my brain was, how can we make this work? Where can we find the gray? Where, you know, like create a scenario for me type of um, underwriter. I, when I would manage other underwriters desks, they would lose it. They would be like, I never would have approved that. <laughs> now they're gonna expect this from me every time type of thing. Um, but it was, it was boring. I will say like that it unequivocally my brain shift of just wanting to go, go, go. I was always done with my work um, within like the first two to three hours of the job. And then I was just trying to figure out different projects. What can I work on? What can I do? Um, and that's actually how I ended up learning a lot about fires. I was, I started doing backup for um, the high fire underwriters through allied yeah. different regions down South and things like that. So I did that and then I started doing what was called desk underwriting where you actually go into a new agency and you sit in that agency and you teach them the product and you teach them the contract and how to sell it and how to cross sell it. And I did that for a company called Paramount Equity Mortgage, um, which is pretty big out here. And then they recruited me to come and run their insurance division. So I swung right back over and started doing sales again. Wow. 
Wow. So you've got a lot of training, you got some underwriting, you have some sales going on in there, as well as, like you said, just helping people with a little bit of that front end tech stuff with how do you log in and, 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 and all of that. I bet it's really helped you along the way as you chose to be able to go out on your own and to be able to kind of wear all those different hats. Cause that's really what people struggle with when they get really on their own a little bit more on the agency ownership side of things is they, the wearing of the hats can get a quite overwhelming. I mean, you know, I've been doing it for 18 years and I still get completely overwhelmed by just the magnitude and the variety of things that are out there. And even the new things that come out, you know, how can I incorporate that with what I have? Do I have to get rid of what I have? How do I do all that? So I bet it really, it really prepared you for where you are today. Yeah, it helped the problem solving portion. I mean, especially the tech, because when you start out, you can't hire a technician, right? So you got to figure out how do I restart this? How do I clear this code out? You know, all of that stuff to get the tech from your um, agency management system to work with different things. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely spending all that time, even when I was running um, Paramount Equity Mortgages Division, um, you know, there used to be the joke within that organization because they were a mortgage company, right? And insurance just didn't drive the type of revenue that made them, you know, thrilled. So they didn't invest a lot in it. So I would had to, I would have to learn everything on like IT support and accounting and all of that stuff to do as much as I could to, with the little support that I had. So it definitely helped me when I had to wear every single hat when I decided to leave. Yeah. I think I would have drowned if I hadn't, you know, I, you look at the struggles where in the time you're like, man, this is crap, right? Like you guys are throwing all this money in this division and ours isn't doing anything, but it made me, it, it made me good at very, very good at adapting and figuring out on my own. So I could just kind of plug and play when I left. I think that's awesome. So how long have you been out with your own agency now? Um, November of 2014. Okay. Okay. So tell me a little bit about that journey. Like you said, coming from where you were. And um, I know that uh, based on your conversation and your presentation at Innovation, that you've really niched down in a couple different areas to be able to give you that authority and um, to be able to give you that. I mean, I know that's not the only thing that you do with those niches, but they're great ways to be able to enter into your target market and be able to get the right people that you want to talk to calling you. And I think that's awesome. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, I think the again, going back and having the, the experience as an underwriter with that kind of niche stuff, um, I got, I was really good at knowing out there in the marketplace who did what in the specialty. So older homes and out here, we had like Kydex plumbing issues and things like that. So as I went out to mortgage, I went out and I said, hey, you know, we can do your main street home all day long. But what a lot of agents don't know how to do is when it's a hundred year home or a registered home, or it has these old plumbings. I said, that is where you're going to call me one day and, you know, I'm going to be there for you. And so that's really how that niche started is we became that um, trouble, the, the problem solver. And then once we saved several loans, I mean, there was in one week, we saved 12 loans from people wow. that didn't know how to do it. And so we won those mortgage offices. Um, so that's, that's where the niche started. And then I, as 
as we watched Southern California kind of burn and companies yeah. leaving, um, I knew that it was going to hit Northern California and there was nobody talking about it. So I created some Facebook groups to be able to help the community and answer questions. And that really propelled that niche um, portion for the high fire and again, the trouble homes. Um, the Haggerty niche was just fun for me. It was just being able, I love classic cars, I love racing cars. So being able to have a company that basically paid me to go out and get leads and would support me. I mean, that, that became a fun niche that then once I actually looked at it and I said, well, what all these people have, you know, some wealth in common, right? So I would go out to these shows and I would take my Haggerty leads and I would put them into buckets of money and I'd say, okay, well, how does this feed this niche? And how does this feed this garage niche? And what can I get out of them for this? And when I started realizing, um, in fact, there's a there's an agent here in the area that used to come out to the shows and he would tell me how you're never going to make any money in this. You're wasting your time. These are ridiculous premiums. How can anybody build a business model off of here? And then proceeded to drop his card and say, should you ever decide I'd love for you to come and work for me? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was like, okay. Um, and then I started taking his business through that lead process. Oh, how wonderful. And then that individual, you know, kind of reached out and started recognizing like, hey, there's actually a lot that can be done in this space. And a lot of agents in the area started trying to replicate it. Um, so it's very interesting that, I mean, a lot of people look at certain things and as people have come to me and say how do you do this I tell them the smallest niches are really the easiest to dominate because people look at it and they're so revenue based that they don't look at the bigger picture of it and they just go oh well, I'm only gonna make $50 off that that's not worth my time instead of saying well that $50 can lead into this commercial account and this high net worth account and everything else that it goes through and so it so many producers leave a very open access into their books of business um, where somebody like me is going to come in with a specialty product and take everything else that they have. Right. Because you're so good at everything and you specialty niche. So, I mean, you know, it's not like specialty niche is all you do. Right. So therefore, if somebody comes to you for a classic car, Haggerty or, you know, high fire, that type of thing, you can also say, Hey, but you know, we can also do all these other things. So you really do come in as that problem solver to, to, to really bring the, the client in as the, the entire piece. So it's not just, you know, the, the niche, but it's also the, the, the feeding off of the niche as well. Yeah. And there's also, and what I've learned over the lot, like there's also the downfall of being typecast where sometimes customers my own customers, I'll see them post in my forums and be like, I'm looking for life insurance. And I'm like, uh, I can do that. And they're like, oh, I thought you only did high fire, right? Or I need auto insurance. Or I need commercial insurance. So that's really been the learning annex for us um, and how to properly cross sell. And so like everybody else, right, we got better agency. You know, that's, there's a whole program that we're building up for marketing to try to bring in those those other aspects and to kind of untypecast me, still have that name out there, but to make sure that everybody knows that I do more than just what my niches are as well. And I find that to be very hard now. I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily niched in my agency. We're, we're actually looking at being able to do that. We have a couple of things we want to work on here and that we are in that process for, but 
with that conversation though we do find that people feel like we're even like a one pony show for like a carrier like we only do one specific carrier more or less one specific product more or less one specific you know um like you know life insurance or you know there's a lot of people that to get that that information out there it's really got to be a project because not everybody listens whenever you tell them over the phone not everybody reads your emails not everybody might get your text messages or be text message driven and then they've got to remember it whenever it's convenient for them as well when they might actually need it so they might know it you know, six months ago, but, you know, in another two years when maybe they buy that classic car or they, you know, buy a different house in a different territory, they might not think of those specifics um, of what we can do and what we can't do. How are you working to be able to kind of make sure that your agency is well, um, well situated and that everybody knows not only the products, but also the carriers that you guys offer, because that awareness I find is a constant project to be able to get in front of your clients and stay in front of them with that conversation. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Um, so, you know, especially with being in the high fire aspect of it, um, I didn't want to be pigeonholed by one carrier where somebody said like, hey, she sold me Grange. And then they said, hey, this person can get you Grange. And if they heard from another agent, they weren't eligible for Grange, they'd be like, well, no use calling her, right? So I created an agent network up here where lenders and realtors know, no matter what it is, no matter what product it is, if it's a homeowner's policy, we're going to send it to Aurora because Aurora is going to be able to qualify that. And if it's going to go to State Farm, she'll get it to State Farm. But it all funnels through us. So we have that first right of refusal or the inability to write the product. And so that's where I've tried to offset that where it's just, it's homeowner's insurance and Aurora is gonna know what the market is. And so send it to Aurora and she'll figure it out for us. So it gets me not only that through my lenders and realtors in the market, but also on the Facebook groups, it's the same thing. I tell them, I work with an agent of, you know, a network of agents. If there's an open market out there, we will refer you over to it. So we do that and then people say, yeah, she found me State Farm or she did this. I only had to call her and I saved all this time. So that's how we're trying to work it um, out there so that we stay top of mind. And then I try to be very strategic. I know a lot of agents just go, oh my God, I want as many reviews as I could possibly get on Google. Great, I have 300 reviews and 300 reviews say, she got found me home insurance. She found me auto insurance, right? my reviews that I send out is when I solve a problem or I was able to cross sell them and they go, Oh my God, I didn't even know you did GL and you just saved me $3,000 on my general liability. Those are the strategic reviews that I send out. And I say, it would be great if you could talk about that. You know, if you could actually explain that into 
the review. And so I direct them on what I'd like the review to say. And then that way, when I share it, it actually says that. And then I'll get instant messages or emails or tags going the same. I didn't know you did commercial. Great. Can you look at my commercial account for me? So I, I know it's really great to have Google reviews out there and it does your ranking, but I want to be very strategic about the way I do my reviews so that they realize there's a lot of problems that I can solve instead of just I'm just a homeowner's agent. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I like that strategicness, especially. I don't. I don't know that I've ever actually heard anybody say that in their uh, Google reviews, priming the conversation a little bit and say, "Hey, can you tell us how we solved the problem for you?" Because we really want to be known as a problem solver. So your problem was blank, you know, whatever that is, and that way you can precede the conversation for the Google reviews or reviews anywhere specifically about that. And I'm sure too, that helps your search rankings in other areas because the concept that those words are what Google picks up on those, those different niches, those different areas, but then also at the same point, that cooperation. Um, so not just home, not just auto, not just, you know, those, those, um, those, those common terms are things that you might want to make sure that you um, have the opportunity to branch out from. So Google's picking up on some of those too, because they're, they're posting about those. And I think that's genius. It's, it's helped. We used a thing. Well, now it's called experience.com. It used to be called social survey and you get leads through that network and it's throws out to your Google and your LinkedIn and your Facebook all in one shot. It, it, it saves a lot of time, a That's whole awesome. lot of time. That's awesome. So how do you, whenever you bring in a new team member, teach them culture is everything. I mean, culture is so key when we bring in new people and you are so diverse, but very targeted within your diversity. How long does it take for you to be able to get your team members on board with that concept and or operating at a really great level to be able to really keep that message moving in that very targeted way. Because I think one of the things that a lot of us struggle with is letting go of that control and letting go <laughs> of the control of that message. And especially when we're so intentional, because I, I hear you being so intentional in that. How do you release that and or train for that? And then what does that process look like? Because I mean, for me, I'm thinking, oh, it would be amazing if we could do that in our team. But how would I even think about implementing that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I think they, they watch. Um, I add them into the different Facebook groups um, that I moderate so that they're in there and they're seeing kind of um, how I answer questions and how people react to it. And our, our main message for anybody that comes on board is you always do the right thing by the customer, even if that means losing a sale. And when they see the amount of people that go, hey, you know, they'll watch the process where somebody will come to me and I didn't, I didn't actually sell them the policy, but when they go on Facebook, I'm the one that they're pumping up, not the state farm agent or the farmer's agent I sent over. It was me that solved that problem. And so I think it becomes very easy for them through that process of watching and watching it actually help that they realize they're going to actually get more business and they're going to be able to do this if they adopt that mindset. Now, what I, is very hard for me to teach is like, I can, I can look at an address, I can look at a territory and I can know unequivocally, like it's going to be a waste of time. The average premium is going to be this over here, or it's going to be this. And 
trying to teach that aspect of not hitting every single box that, you know, your, your mindset or a detail oriented type of person is going to hit. And when you're hiring some, we have to have a mix with what we're doing. We do so many accords and there's so many touch points and so much compliance in the high fire region. Um, my biggest struggle is trying to get somebody to release that and trust their gut to know that's not a good market. That's a waste of my time. Only focus on the markets that are going to return a benefit to the client instead of going, I'm going to hit all 40 of these, right? I'm going to waste my time and send an accord and track all 40 of these out there where I can look and go, you know what? I know these 40 are going to decline based off of these factors anyway. So I'm not going to waste their time. I'm not going to waste my time. And I'm just going to focus on the, the ones that I know are going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard for me to get my, some of my team members to adopt that. Um, so I can say I haven't mastered that yet. <laughs> I'd love to say that I have, but I have not mastered it. The, the way that, you know, we're an all woman agency. So I think that our mindset of taking care of others and being there to problem solve it, it's a natural thing with women anyway, that it, you know, it becomes very adoptable, right? Their mindset too is to help and help and protect. Yeah. Do you find that women are more susceptible to that, that whole concept that we want to go take care of the client, find one more option for them. We want to go, you know, that, that out of our way type idea. I find that women are, men are much more profit driven and women are much more relationship driven. And um, women will give up a little bit of profit to make sure that we go the extra mile for the relationship. And I know that's one thing that um, I've had a conversation with so many people about is, you know, we have to, as a business owner, focus on profit to a large degree, because if we don't have that profit, we can't employ people, right? We can't, you know, buy the computers that we need. We can't do the things that we need to do, upgrade our technology and so forth. But within that conversation, we still have to be able to make sure that we're still very relationship driven. And um, I find that sometimes women have a harder time striking that balance because we either spend too much time listening to a client or uh, trying to find an option for a client or, you know, let me just try one more thing or, you know, whatever that it kind of, it kind of creates a little bit of a, of a challenge on the back end for the business profitability and streamlining all the processes. Yeah. But I also, I mean, I, I can definitely see that, right. Even with myself, sometimes I'll spend a little bit too long on yep. the phone or helping somebody that I'm not going to get any sale off of. But on the flip side, the people that we do invest that time in, what I see the difference is, is you know, you've, you've, you've got the ticket takers and people can say, oh, no, I'm an advisor, right? But really, you're saying, I'm only going to do so much work on the front end because otherwise I lose money on it. Whereas in our mindset, what I've seen is the people that we have gotten through this process are so indebted and so appreciated the extra 10 minutes we spent to discuss coverages and help them solve that problem and then talk to their husband because they could relay that <laughs> that type of extra time that we spent now those people i mean our retention is phenomenal there's some people that i am like you should leave us and they're like no i'm paying an extra 500 dollars. i don't want to leave you and, and that is where that mindset goes. And every everybody that calls in and they don't deal with me, there's the initial like 
fear. Okay, well, I'm not dealing with you. Am I still going to get the same thing? And then I'll get the, oh my God, she was so nice. Oh my God, that was so easy. And it is because they know that I will not tolerate disrespect or um, what's, how do I say this? Um, quick, easy way, right? You're going to, you're going to be mindful when their stuff because we have massive swings right other people might be dealing with oh my god this person called in they have a 75 dollars a year increase screw them right for us we're dealing with people that were already paying three thousand now their renewal is six thousand and that's literally the best option for them so that empathy factor my team realizes they've got to have that patience and they've got to be able to you know be somewhat of a a counselor on the phone and That's where I, I mean, and I know this because I have, I help other agencies in this region that are predominantly male and they just go, I don't have time for this. I mean, forget it. Do you want to write it? I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to have that conversation. I, and it, they just get so frustrated so quickly that even, you know, they'll call back and they'll be like, I don't want to work with him. Right. If I refer it out, they'll be like, I'll take your hundred dollars more. I don't want to work with that person. Yeah. Yeah. And people don't understand insurance really. So they want somebody who's going to have their back, you know, somebody that knows what they're doing and somebody that will take the time to explain it, you know, and, and all that. I mean, we've, we've just come out of the whatever hundred year storm here in Texas. And, um, we've got a lot of questions we've never had before, you know, because we, we didn't have, we've never had the, the, the massive rolling power outages, right? So is this freezing? Is this power outages? You know, what is, what, what are we really doing here? And I found that those people that we have those conversations with are super appreciative and they always are, but the questions are deeper and different. And there's a different level of fear right now when we're working with, you know, uh, home sprinkler systems that because we didn't have electricity, they couldn't do this, that, or the other, should they turn them back on, you know, um, you know, and just different questions. They're just very interesting. And I know that you deal with a lot of that. And I think it's wonderful. Um, I do know, and I will tell you this, that probably, I don't know, a year ago, maybe a little bit less than that. My, we were looking for an agent out in your area and we uh, sent somebody on over. My dad actually sent somebody on over to your agency and he was like, oh my gosh, they were so nice. He was like, (laughs) they were so nice to work with. So I can't remember. I'd have to do some research who that was that he worked with, but I remember him saying that your team just really knew what they were doing. They were very, very nice and very on the ball. So we, we appreciate that on our end as well. So I know that's what your customers are experiencing. Well, thank you. It's good to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know what? If you were to be able to pass along any nugget of wisdom to the women out there in the insurance space. Now, this podcast is designed specifically for women in any level of insurance. So it could be working with a carrier, working with an agency, being an agency owner. It could be we've talked to women in data. We've talked to women in lots of different areas of insurance. But if you were to be able to talk to a woman in the insurance space, right now, maybe a younger woman kind of coming up throughout the insurance space, what advice would you maybe give her to be able to kind of make the most out of her career at this point? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, even though, you know, my, my story kind of started with, um, you know, the President's Club and being slammed down by males in this industry, right? I, I do watch a lot of interactions, not only in the women of IOA, but in, you know, the IOA thing where it it still feels like there's this this mode of it's us against them and some of the strongest um, supporters and individuals that have helped me succeed in this 
have been the male, yeah. you know, agency owners through this. And, you know, they, there's, there's a, there is a certain type of personality, I think, that or acceptance that you have to have um, to deal with, you know, a lot of the male agency owners. But I'd say that if you can get past um, this male versus women thing, you will get so much out of the other individuals out in this industry by just by just being accepting of it and, and trusting in the fact that they really do want to help and they have a different aspect and a different viewpoint. Um, you know, I, I, most of you, most everybody knows that Eric Scholey's my best friend, right? We do, we cannot be more different in a ton of the ways and how we run our agency and where we want to grow our agencies and all of those things. But what happens is having that male aspect of profit, a little bit of profit before, um, you know, taking care of customers, it drives me in a different way where we can sit down. I'll be like, I'm so excited. I want to do this. And he'll be like, okay, but let's walk down that path. Right. There's a different way that they process information. And I think that as a woman, if we can learn to appreciate that and take the nuggets that we can and realize that they really just want to help the same way that we do, and they accept us, they really don't view us as just a woman in the industry, we're just people in the industry. And I think that we've had to overcome that for so long that we kind of preconceived that notion. And if you can let that go, you can get so much help and grow so much faster by forging some of those relationships. I agree. I agree. Everybody has value no matter what. I mean, everybody has, you know, male, female, you know, alien, whatever, you know, kind of thing, whatever we are, we're just human. Right. And I think that that's really what we want is that um, whenever we talk about equality, it doesn't mean separateness inequality. It means really being and walking the same road and listening to each other's point of view, because everybody has, everybody has what drives them and everybody has their, their mentality. We talked earlier that you know, sales personalities are different from underwriting personalities are different from, you know, adjuster personalities is different from CEO personalities, right? And everybody is a little bit different. And within that, we need to celebrate that diversity because the male and female aspect of that is just another aspect of personality and, and leanings maybe of how we deal with things, but they're all to be celebrated and they're all to be kind of merged, if you will, in a really great overall uh, well-rounded approach to, I think, our careers and um, to our agencies and to being able to service our communities. And I love that you just said that. I think that's wonderful. And I appreciate you for bringing that up. I think that's great. Thank you so much. Now, if people want to reach out to you specifically, how would you like for them to be able to reach out to you? Ooh, um, I would say I am, but I get so many of them, they, they vary really quickly. So just call me. I mean, I'm very open. I have agents that call me all from all over the United States all the time. Um, but, you know, my cell phone number is 530-903-2362. Just, just ping me and, and let me know. And yeah, I'll do whatever. I mean, I'm always here to help any way that I can. Well, that is fabulous. Thank you so much for all you do for the industry and for the community and for taking the time today to be able to talk to us. Everybody, this is Aurora Mullet and she's with Intrinsic Insurance Services out of California. If you guys do have any questions, make sure that you reach on out. Make sure that you also subscribe to the podcast. We have a new episode out every single Wednesday where we talk to amazing women in the insurance space and all over the insurance industry. And we want to be able to help tell their story and encourage others. Everybody have a really great week. Bye.
Hey agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it, think of it, really. We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now listen, I'm an agency owner and I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you gotta do is you gotta admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com, check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do, really. And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even wanna do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, at Virtual Intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up, go to ChatGPT, put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said, I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.